0: listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel.
1: Here's a scenario for you. Shoot. You're a product designer. You just joined a new team. Your product manager walks over to your desk one day and says, we've scoped this new project, this new feature. We're really excited about it. We're excited to have you on the team and contributing. Here is an outline of what we're hoping to do. When do you think you can have this done?
0: And what are they asking me? They're asking me like how long my design is going to take or are they coming to me with that?
1: In this, yeah, great question. In this scenario, they're, they're looking to your guidance to say, when will you have design ready? When,
0: when will you have your final designs? Yes. And you're like, I don't know, because this is hard. <laughs>
1: what are you even talking yeah, about? What are you even talking about? This is the first I'm hearing of this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean that, that happens all the so time. So we're right?
0: talking about basically, um, planning a design process and scoping your own design work. Yeah. Estimating design yeah, work estimate. Okay. That's good. That's good.
1: Yeah. There's so many different words we could use to describe this. I don't know. We just listed like four.
0: Well, this is, yeah, this is interesting. Cause we're talking about, you know, we use design process to get us output, um, that hopefully solves problems and delivers outcomes. Right. Um, yeah. So we're talking about like how do you either with a given time frame or with a flexible time frame, how do you plan for a process that will get you to the to an agreed upon output that your you know, in this case, your PM can, you know, take on with the belief that it solves the problem and you can pass off or work with your engineers to develop to, you know, ship to put out into the world
1: right and i feel like even for experienced designers but also for those who are still uh, you know just entering their their career this can be a very intimidating question it can be very daunting to try to think about how do i scope this project
0: why do you think it's intimidating
1: i think there's first of all there's an expectation right you have just been hired as a designer or you have just joined this team your counterparts are kind of expecting you to be an authority of sorts hopefully mm-hmm. not always And so when the, when the question is asked of you, you're supposed to have the answers. You should know this. And yet the reality I think is that often we have no idea or not no idea, but we really just don't know. And the reason for that, like you just identified is we're trying to take the defined design process, which has a few different key phases and apply that to a situation which might have unique constraints, unique resourcing. uh, You don't know about engineers availability what work has already been done. There's a lot of different variables that play here. And so, especially if you're trying to come up with it on the spot, it can be really hard.
0: Well, and something here is you don't know what you're actually gonna output, you shouldn't. Um, this is something from design school that I'm remembering. Whenever I get a project, I'm gonna be like, I was like, my end result will look like this. And that sort of defeats the whole purpose of the design process, but I'd like get attached to something and then be like, oh, I can just do that thing. And when you look at a good design process, you have to sort of uncover problems. You have to make sure you understand and are totally aligned with problems. Um, well, not totally aligned, but like understand the objectives of what's happening and understand the problems that's being solved. Um, you have to understand the many, the, the the large canvas of opportunities that might solve the problem, the solution space. You have to understand, like you mentioned, constraints, anything that might be coming up in terms of like um, either technical difficulties or abilities or constraints or timelines, um, and then you have the business objectives, um, systems constraints or places where you need to sort of blow up the system. So it ends up being, um, almost, you know, that what we do is we take a lot of ambiguity and deliver it. This is what a designer does to take ambiguity and complexity and deliver, hopefully, you know, simple, elegant solutions. And you just don't know what you're up against. You know that you have a process And so how do you say, oh, that'll take me two weeks or that's going to take me six months.
1: So I want to pause for one second and kind of underline something you just said a second ago, which I think is really important, which is you don't start the design process by saying, here's an idea and we just need to execute this idea, right? You don't just look out at the market and say, oh, we need to build this feature and here's a competitor that's doing it and we're just going to copy them, right? Like that's not how design works. And why, why would you not want a designer who is asked how long will this will take? You don't want them to look at like an, an existing idea and say, Oh, I can do this in a week. Like, why wouldn't you want that? Well,
0: and we typically don't want PMs to be doing that either saying we're going to just do this and you're going to execute unless, unless you're like thoroughly steeped in the space. You have insights, whether it's data or research or anything pointing to the problem. Like, and that can be like, I, I think there was a project we were working on recently where, I was like, oh, we're going to need to do a lot of user research for this. And then I stepped back and I thought, well, we actually have a lot of user research in this space already. What we need to do is actually comb through it and pull it together to see what insights we have. Um, or a designer who's been working on a space for a really long time might say like, we need to do X because I've actually seen this a number of times and I can, I can, can um, just, I can articulate why this is a problem and how we can actually solve this and get business results from it.
1: But again, the reason that you typically don't want to just dive right into a solution is.
0: Because it's not always the right solution.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You don't know if it actually aligns with the objective. You don't, you haven't done research. There might be missed opportunities. You're leaping Well, Any
0: first idea that comes to mind is usually like somehow a pretty biased one. It's like how you would solve the problem for yourself or how you've seen it solved before. Even if you don't remember seeing it like sometimes the things that pop into our head are just patterns that we've seen elsewhere um I don't know if you've ever had that happen where you design something and you think it's totally unique and then you see it somewhere else and you're like oh shit oh yeah
1: that happens all too often
0: yeah so it's like what what is what is leading to that solution if you have an idea if you can uncover why you're thinking about that that helps but usually just running through 99 percent of the time running through a design process um helps you get to the right solution. And I think the trick in this case is like we've talked about before, like design, the design process is not just a case study where you always start with research and then you start with sketches and then you do concept testing and then you, you know, refine the sketches and then you, you know, go bigger on high, higher fidelity wireframes and then you do concept testing and then you come back in and then you put a visual polish on them and then you're done. Like that's like, that's a, a That's the the case study process that is taught in school. But when you get into these scenarios in the real world, you end up really needing to understand time and urgency and um, likelihood that this thing is going to stay out in the world for a really long time or what the the other things that you could be doing are. That's a huge one, Um, understanding what the other projects are. I think a lot of times we see designers who get really excited about something that they're personally passionate about and sometimes it tends to just be sort of visual quality based or great UX experiences that, which is awesome, but that doesn't have as many business results as the other things that are in the queue. And so you may rather spend more time on that than the thing that's actually gonna, you know, bring in more revenue or, you know, increase engagement, which is what sustains the business and allows you to keep doing what you're doing. So, you know, how do you prioritize time within your planning in order to get to the both the most important things and then the things that you really enjoy doing which you know hopefully in a perfect world they're the same thing but
1: yeah so there's a lot that goes into each of these projects and when you're trying to estimate the scope or trying to scope out the work it can be really hard to you know basically get that all going in your head especially if you're you're feeling pressure on the spot to respond to like a prompt Um, but there's a lot going on so let's talk a little bit about how we've seen other ourselves or people we admire, how they've tackled this, this question of how Mm. do you estimate the project? So for me, my process is usually, Oh wait,
0: we admire you. I'm just kidding.
1: I said it can be our own process.
0: (laughs) 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 Now (laughs) I made you lose your train of thought.
1: No, not at all. Uh, (laughs) no. So for me, what I usually do is I'll start with, um, two, two, two kind of key things. I'll say, what do we know with some confidence right now? And what do we know that we don't know? And those are the two things that I'll, I'll try to focus on when I'm looking at the very beginning of a project. And in my, my experience, it's usually best for me to write these things down. Mm-hmm. It can literally be a bolded list. I think I've talked about this before. And so then, then I just go through those lists. So what do we know with some confidence? Well, we know that we have engineers. Okay. Well, what, what do we know about their status? Are they ready to go now? Are they already starting the work? Yeah. Are they delayed by a week? Okay. What else do we know? Well, we know that there's a business objective behind this and the objective is maybe clear or it's not super clear. Maybe it's like a little bit ambiguous. We have to get like new users. Okay. in what market, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So basically I just like look at what are the things that we know? And like you said a second ago, I'll also look at what are my current priorities Mm -hmm. and what are those objectives and what is the pressure for those things and what are the timelines for those? I'll also look at things like what resources are available to me right now. Are there other designers on my team that I might leverage for this project? Mm. Are there other designers in our organization who have done this work before? Do we have a design system or a design language I can reference? These are all known things.
0: Yeah. um, Other things that come to mind, what you're doing is you're building up a body of questions, which seems really important to have. Um, Other ones that come to mind are like, who are the stakeholders involved? Like how much oversight is this going to need? Um, which might lead into something like, you know, who am I going to get feedback from? Who's going to be the approver on this? Um, what is my role going to be? And that sort of gives you an idea of of, of um, planning in terms of checkpoints. And there's probably a bunch more that you could look at, too.
1: Yeah, I will say a really key one at this point, too, in the process of estimating the work is to just ask the stakeholders, whether it's your your design manager a product manager, an engineering manager, someone, ask them what the expectation for design is. Mm-hmm. If they say they need some static mocks, okay, now you understand that. If they say that they really need to see an experience, you might need to incorporate prototyping into your oh, p- pipeline. Yeah. If they say they just need to see wireframes because you know they already have part of this tool built, for example, you can start uh, with that.
0: Yeah, nothing worse than a last-minute prototype being required for a like review. I've Framer has brought me to tears before. Based on that, um, which reminds me of another one. Um, another thing you might need to ask yourself is like, what am I good at and where do I tend to struggle? Like if you end up sort of getting stuck somewhere, like, um, if you're not great at sort of like, you know, understanding the setup or getting bought in on, on the problems or need to understand technical constraints, or if like wireframe sort of sends you, or I even ideation or generation sends you off in a tizzy, Um, or if like the polish, you end up needing rounds and rounds of feedback on, where do you, where do you sort of fly through and where do you, um, end up needing a lot more support or where will you get stuck? And that way you can sort of proactively also understand, do you need to make checkpoints? Do you need to have a partner on this? Um, that seems helpful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So once you've done that, then you can move on to the second part, which is, okay, what do we know that we don't know? This could be things mm. like, we don't know our target audience and their use use cases, so we need to actually go do some research there. We don't know what technology we're going to use. And that's not for you to solve, but it's something that you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. You need to know the technical constraints of what you're designing so the engineers can implement it quickly, right? You need to know, uh, or maybe you don't know,
0: I don't know. Like data would be another thing. Like, do you know behavior patterns? Um, do you know the competitive space? Uh
1: has this been tried before? Has it,
0: yeah, that's another one that comes up a lot. Like one thing, uh, especially in, you know, years ago when we were starting out, we I just felt like everybody was terrible at documentation. And so even going in and being like, what have we tried before here? If it's a product that's been around for, you know, five plus years, just to make sure you're not sort of repeating the same directions that may not have worked or you understand the context of where the team or the product has been before seems useful.
1: Yeah. So at this point, what you're actually doing, if you write them, if you write all these things down, like I do, you're actually kind of creating a design brief or a design Mm -hmm. kind of a scope of work uh, document. And this can be really valuable, not just for you, but also for your, your partners, your PM, your engineers, your own manager, your own team. What you can do at that point, if you write it down, is you can then share that document, get alignment, get answers, get clarity. Really, this does some really great things, I think, especially for scoping, but also for team building around a project which is it makes sure that as you start the process of designing and working towards this end goal, the expectations are clear. Everyone understands what you're exploring, what you're not exploring. Mm-hmm. They understand where they might be able to provide support for you and where they can step back. It's really critical that you do this so everyone's kind of aligned so that you know going through this, even if it takes two weeks or if it takes six months, everyone's clear on what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to get there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it's important to note that this is actually part of the process. So you need to know like whether this is going to take a couple of days or this is going to take a week or so. It might take a, a week if you need to actually like get feedback. If there's nothing existing, um, you know, you'll often have a, a project brief, but this is sort of the design. This might, this might be the product brief, or there might be a design brief that sort of sits inside that or works with it. Um, At Intercom, we do something called an intermission, which is essentially your product brief. And then we do an interconcept that works alongside of that, which is sort of the solution space that we believe we're heading after. Um, And ours is one that we actually have worked through. By the time we get to an interconcept, we kind of know where we're heading and it saves a lot of churn when we um, let our designers really run with it. And the designers then are involved in sort of the intermission as well. And so it sort of depends on where you've been in the journey. Have you been working with your PM on the project brief, or do you sort of get handed a project or a design brief? Each company is a little different, no real rights or wrongs. Um, but you then have to figure out where your starting point is and what else you need to know. And so taking the time to document that and then evaluate that, get feedback on it, will set you up for where you need to go next. It's a really valuable part foundational.
1: And it's important to note two things here. The first is that this will be a living document. It's not concrete. Things will evolve. You'll, you'll learn that something you thought you knew with confidence actually wasn't true, or you'll learn that, you know you'll get answers to the questions you had so that's the first thing it's you should expect it to evolve as the project progresses it's something that you can continually refer to and update and the, the second point on this is it's more than okay to tell your stakeholders and peers and partners that you don't know the estimate yet if this is like one of your first times doing this you can communicate to them here's my process that i need to do it in order to determine the scope of this work i don't have the answers quite yet you can help me or you know can you help me you can ask them or you just help me. <laughs> give me a day, give me, give me an hour, give me some time to sit down, document these things, and then I'll have a better estimate. So that's something you can do. You should feel more than free to do. As long as you're very transparent about your process and where you're at and where you're struggling and what you're planning to do. I think it's okay. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really good approach. Where you're you're receiving a, a request or a lot of information, you say just need some time to process. I wouldn't say I need two weeks to go through this. You need to make it reasonable because what if the what if the expected like time frame is only about two weeks? So you maybe you keep it as small as you can. But how quickly can you prioritize and process that information? And then like really, we're making estimates for the rest of it, so that's okay. And an estimate here. Um, is okay. Uh, like a really tactical thing you could do is just schedule time with your PM, like to go through this together, having a stock list of questions might even be helpful as you're sort of getting into this. Um, one really, really important thing is when you're putting together your design brief, it does not have to be a designed artifact. Like that is not the place to get into Sketch or Figma and like make sure that it's really, you know, using your company typefaces and your brand and all of that stuff like that does not matter one bit. It's actually really useful to be in a like a collaborative working doc like Google Docs or I don't even know what people use other than Google Docs um but something that you can comment on and edit and it can sort of be that living document that you've talked about so it's it's better to get communicative and collaborative than it is to get precious
1: yeah with as with anything in the design process the stage of the work should be reflected in the execution of the work, and so because this is really early in the process, you're kind of defining things. It's a little ambiguous. the The format that takes should also be kind of yeah. ambiguous and uh, kind of drafty. So absolutely, you, should, you know, use plain text document. You don't need to make this nice.
0: And I tend to think of those as design artifacts too. Like some of my favorite uh, conversations and interviews have revolved around this setup phase because all of that legwork really helps you refine what you need to do next, rather than just sort of starting in the middle and floundering.
1: Exactly. Something that I also do when I'm interviewing or on some of my portfolio pieces, I will just take a screenshot of my notes document window and just say, here's like how I mm-hmm. how I started the project. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful. So another thing you can do here um, to, to figure out how to estimate a design project is to get help. You can go to Other designers who might have experience in similar things and say, can I borrow, you know, 20 minutes of your time, sit down, talk about the scope of work, talk about what you're thinking and just ask them, how long do you think this should take me? Now there's a problem here though. If the designer is experienced, they may give you an answer for what they think they could do in that time. It's not going to be the same for everyone. So you really have to communicate with these other people, these other designers on, you know, what are you really good at? What are you struggling at? what work have you done before and how do they see those skills and those experiences being leveraged for this new project? So that's Mm -hmm. another thing It's like seek help. It's okay to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I don't know what other, what other skills or what other kind of things do you think help people who are struggling to scope projects?
0: I think another, um, I think the more common use case is not how long will this take you, but we have two weeks eight weeks can, or six weeks, can you get this done or a quarter or whatever that is? Um, so something that I find very helpful and I learned this from the time I spent in education is doing something called a backwards plan. So teachers do backwards planning for their semester or like, I don't know, do K through 12 have semesters? Sure. Before Christmas, after Christmas, sorry, before the holidays, after the holidays. Um, And it's because they have to actually teach um, year long course objectives that are aligned with the states. And so they have to test at the end of the year and make sure that students are learning what they need to learn to be progressing through educational systems. And so what they'll do is they'll, you know, say they have 15 weeks in a semester, you know, 30 ish weeks in a year, they'll work backwards and decide where their milestones are. And that might be tests. And then within, you know, each milestone, there's a a segment of time that they'll actually figure out what they're going to plan each week. And I think that is very, very similar to what designers need to do where, and we've sort of identified that first element, but the other way to work backwards is to say I have two weeks or I have eight weeks. I know that that last week I'm going to need to be working on polish, um, or I'm going to need to be QAing with engineering engineers to make sure that, um, sorry, probably not QAing cause it's not built yet. I'm thinking of like a, the full development plan so I'm probably going to be needing to do polish or prototyping or anything like that. And so then you only have seven weeks left or then you only have one week left. And so you have to make sure you fit in that into the time. Um, so then you're looking at sort of those questions you lined up and says, Hey, what, what looks like it'll be the hardest in this. Um, if you have to do research, um, for example, you usually can't just say, Oh, week three is research. Week two needs to be recruiting. Week one might need to be, um, writing your interview scripts. And so you have to figure out how to fit all these different things, what you can cut, what you need extra time on, things like that.
1: Yeah. I love that. It can be tricky, but absolutely. That's a great approach. Um, I don't know the name for this, the term for this, but perhaps you've heard of it where we often will fit our work to the time given to us or Mm -hmm. allotted to us. So if you say that a project is going to take two weeks, somehow magically the project will take two weeks and if you say that same project will take only I don't know four days somehow it just happens to fit into four days and I think there's a lot of reasons for that there's a lot of science behind that but at the end of it it's you can actually get a lot accomplished in varying time Uh, it just comes down to the amount of investment at each phase right and so if you're just starting out at a project you may not be super experienced in understanding how much you will need in each phase. But if you just give yourself some kind of time allotment, okay, we do need research. We've identified that for this project. I'm going to say that's going to take, I don't know, two days. Okay. Well now you're going to have to find a way to do that.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I, 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 see where you're going. Like, um, we've pulled some crazy stuff off in incredibly short timelines because of, because um, because of the urgency, but I also think like we waste a lot of time when we don't plan well. Um, if you, if you spend a lot of time spinning your wheels going, what's next, or I don't know if I'm done, or I don't want the know what the milestone is. Um, we tend to sort of like not give our best. Um, so even putting shape on something that might feel aggressive to you, or, or if you're given a timeline that feels aggressive, like, you try and then you figure out what your limits are. And that's another important part of knowing how to to plan and scope well is understanding how you've done it in the past. Um, another thing that occurs to me when I'm thinking of this is, you know, how, how are you looking at the rest of your responsibilities? Um, everybody who works in any sort of tech environment has a shit ton of meetings. And so that when you think of each week, you're like, cool, I got 40 hours to do this thing and I got 40 hours the next week. And the reality is you may have anywhere from like 10 to 30 or something like that. And so making sure that you're working with your time well, um, anybody who's needed to really get into a zone to do, I think, you know, for me, it's like when I need to ideate, when I need to generate ideas, I need to be like, I need to have hours on end. And so that's really hard to do when you have like a meeting, break, you have a meeting every like half hour or so. And so you're just sitting down for these little chunks of time. So you really have to like on the flip side for being urgent. You also have to create an environment where you can, um, really work at your most productive level in order to meet those more aggressive goals.
1: Yeah. Really well said. Uh, I had something I was going to say add to that, but I forgot what it was. Oh, um, I, th- I think that there's a really important thing here, which is Communication. Mm. If the project you're working on is not extremely critical for the business, maybe it's a new feature space, maybe it's an exploratory thing, maybe it is important, but it's not like detrimental to get if you don't get it in at a certain date, it's okay to to look at your process as something that's a little bit flexible and fluid. As long as you're very clear and communicating with your team and the stakeholders about what's going on and why. So if you say, for example, oh yeah, you know, this, This scope feels great. I've done similar work before. This should take me a week to design and prototype. And then you find on a Thursday afternoon that you're not really even close to getting to prototyping. The very first thing you should do is go to your stakeholders and say, here's the work we've done so far. I think we're all in agreement that it's, it's progressing very well. However, I've run into XYZ problems or other priorities have come up and I need, you know, an additional three days or something. The earlier you do that, and the clearer you are with that, I think the more appreciative people will be. The better, like you build those relationships, and you're not going to actually derail the project. You're also not going to produce subpar work.
0: Right. I, I I would caveat with that with saying like it depends on who your stakeholders are because you don't want to necessarily go to your CEO and be like I got stuck in my process. Like the project driver would probably be the right person to go to for that. But business critical is one thing. You also have to be considerate of the other people around you. So you know if if let's just say that engineers and designers are paid the same salaries and you're one and you're working with five engineers, if they're ready to go and you delay them by three days and they have nothing else to do, you're actually costing the business, um, basically five times what you're getting paid for those three days. And so that's something that you really want to be conscious of. And I think that's like, when we think about scoping, we really actually need to step back and say like, how much when do we want this thing to be shipped how long is it going to take to develop and your designs need to fit in with that because if you um if the the business is asking for or the pm or whoever that is or the team and you've agreed on this is asking for something pretty experimental like hey let's just use the 2 week sprint sort of um experience so they want to have an ab test to understand whether their sign up flow can convert better with some ux optimization and that's a 2 week experiment and you say well i could do that 2 week experiment or i could overhaul this entire like you know homepage and sign up flow well all of a sudden you've changed that not only your 2 week design frame into maybe like a 3 or 4 week design frame but you've also started to push the engineering time frame out because then they'll have to rebuild the whole thing too and so you have to be cognizant of what the goals are in order to understand what your um, input should be and what sort of output you're looking for. And I think we see that a lot with new folks. They just I, And I totally get it. Like you get so excited and you see all the design opportunity, but really we're talking about a developmental process and developmental development process. <laughs> sure. Uh, and so you have to be really cognizant of how your work falls within a team.
1: Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. There's something else there too, which is, okay. So don't just understand the goal that the project is trying to achieve, really kind of dive in and try to understand how your counterparts are working. Do they expect to work on, for example, a backend API that as you're like progressing through research and iteration, they'll be actually producing, right? Or are they like actually going to hold off on anything until they get some design concepts because those kind of workflows will influence how fast and what you should focus your time and energy on. Additionally, at least in my experience uh, in software design, more often than not, what you'll find is that you can work iteratively with your engineers. So you start progressing on like wireframes and they can start engineering just a boilerplate template version of the final feature. And then as you progress through design iterations and get more fidelity, then you can start handing that off and they can start updating. So no one's sitting around just kind of twiddling their thumbs, right? Yeah. And that's an important thing to understand about any project. In fact, that should be one of the first questions or first things you pursue an understanding is how do we expect this to work? How do the engineers uh, plan to work with design? What is the product manager going to be doing to ensure that we're maintaining some kind of efficiency as we go?
0: So there's, there's two sorts of planning that I think we can talk about. One is, you know, Hey, when am I going to do my design brief? When am I going to do any research that needs to be done? When am I going to do my go big on figuring out ideas? When am I going to do my refinement? When am I going to do my evaluation? And then any sort of polish Am I missing anything there?
1: No, I think that's it.
0: Okay, cool. So that's like a that's like a from point A to B planning. There's a linear process there, and then there's what are our sort of programmatic rituals that we need in order to make sure that we have the right milestones and checkpoints. And what you were talking about made me think of something I used to do um, when I started off. Was I don't have a very technical background. Like learned HTML a really long time ago. Sort of like ended at that. Um, and so something I had to do early on was really make sure I had good relationships and understood it up my technical capabilities enough that I could communicate well with my engineers to prevent me from going into a planning cycle and thinking I would nail it. And then, you know, at the end of the two week or eight week phase coming out with something where they were just like, We'll never be able to build that. So one of the rituals I incorporated, um, and almost all throughout my IC career was doing, um, design edge syncs. And so these weren't me and the engineering manager. These were me and the folks who would be building the things that I would be working on. And so I would do things like once a week, just a half hour, checking with them, go over the design brief, um, see, get from them straight from the horse's mouth. Like, did I miss any technical requirements? Um, when were they going to need to start jumping in? Um, And then as I started to go through um, ideas and, and feedback and insights, like even for insights for research, like making sure that they were either in the research or I was sharing it with them in the sink so that they'd be super bought into it and understand the directions I was heading in. And then as I got into sort of ideas and the evaluation of them, I'd also like get feedback from them regularly. So that was a ritual I had to bring in, not even talking about stakeholder feedback. These are my, you know, my peers that I needed to bring in so that I could be working really closely with them and making sure that we were on the same page. Um, and honestly, like I've, I've, there's been some engineers that I've had a really hard time working with. Like all of us have people in our careers that were like, uh, wouldn't want to go back there. But most, for the most part, I've had really super solid relationships with my engineers and haven't gone through a lot of the contention that I see a lot of folks, especially, um, more early career folks, um, really getting hung up on. And all of it is, is frequent communication. So I think that like stepping back a little bit, the overarching question I'd ask is like, who do you need to meet with regularly and why, and what's the outcome? And then when, especially when you have the outcome, that's really helpful to go into those meetings and say, here is the outcome I need, um, at the end of this project from you and within each meeting. And that way you can make more, more time that you have to set up with people, not just a time suck, but really effective to move, Um, your work forward.
1: Yes, absolutely. I I think a great thing there too is as you're progressing through the work and you have this ongoing communication, your cross-functional partners are going to help you identify where you're trailing off the process, where you're uh, kind of moving off the objective, where you're nailing it, where you should double down on your time. So like it's immensely helpful. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's, that's critical. Do not wait until you're You know, three or four steps down the process to start including your cross functional partners and say, like, here's the timeline. Mm -hmm. Do not do that. You need to work closely with them. Uh, And too often, we've talked about this in a previous episode. Too often, designers think that they need to really impress people and show them some good magic. But all all that does at the end of the day is uh, create a misconception around what design does, increases the odds that you're doing something reasonably wrong or you know, off, off in, in space, that's yeah. not aligned with a team and uh, it just creates more issues. So
0: it it's interesting. Like you just triggered something, not just a, a thought here when you were talking about like going off, like I think of like when you go off and you like isolate yourself and you want to, you want to come back with the big reveal. Like, I think one of the challenges to doing planning when you're just starting off is that, you just don't know. You don't know how long things are going to take. You don't know where you're going to get stuck and you just maybe haven't done this before. So some of this is like figuring out which are your pockets that you might need to work on and find out, out how to do them better. And what's coming to mind is I actually, I've harped on a couple skills recently, publicly and privately. One of the, the big ones I, I get a little, you know, on my soapbox about is generation and evaluation. Um, I don't know that all designers really know how to like get a lot of ideas out there. And I've seen this in senior designers. I've seen it in junior designers. It's sort of like either a, like a, the thing where the first idea sticks with you or you sort of go off in your your hole and you come back and you've only sort of done what's, what you're, what, what's in access to your mind. And so then the question is, um, if you know that, well, in this context, the challenge is if you don't get that step, right, the risk is you have to come back and do that again. Like if you generate and you don't generate high quality ideas, you have to go back to that phase and that throws a planning process off. Um, but there's different ways to do the things that might seem like your role. And so the example from, um, generation is that we just did this, uh, exercise recently where, I wanted, uh, the design team to come up with 30 different ways to do something. And it was, we were challenged to go wild. Um, and I knew we could do this quickly without losing any time, but just make sure we got all the, all the ideas out there and got some good, some bad, but just went, went really broad. So we wouldn't ever have to go back and say, um, Hey, we missed something. And again, this was uh, this was about being like keeping it short. And so instead of having the two designers go off in their holes and like come up with fifteen each, we just spent a bunch of time talking to people. We talked to the CEO. We talked to another founder. Um, CEO? Did I say CEO? We did not talk to the CEO. We talked to a bunch of like really great PMs. We talked to a bunch of designers. And in doing so, we solicited like at least 30 ideas. And so that was an interesting way to approach the generation, which is normally let me go back and like think about how to do this. And we came up with things in that way that, you know, we would have never come up with. And it was actually kind of like a, it didn't feel like we were being like super innovative because we were using a process to get to something that feels like magical. And that to me just says like, there are always ways to work through process pieces in a more efficient, um, or almost more creative way. And that can be a really big time saver. So I I think there's more stuff like that, that I'd love to explore. Probably not in this conversation, but like, what are the, what are the ways to develop the skills in order to streamline your timeframes? And that of course is a side benefit of just making you a better designer.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's definitely a lot there. I, I wouldn't call them necessarily hacks or anything, but there's a lot of not even tricky things either. There's a lot of different things you can do to leverage resources, utilize the people around you. Really what I would say work as a team towards, uh, yeah, what you're trying to I do. would
0: just like for, for folks who maybe went through design school, you may not have been taught to do it that way. Like you may have so different approaches, I guess is what I would say.
1: Yeah. And my understanding is that, you know, I didn't go to design school, but my understanding is that typically the bulk of school work is in silo. It's like, it's your project, right? Maybe there's team projects, but you're responsible for a core part of that. And the reality is in the business world, when you go to a job, no, you're working with a team. It is the team's job to come up with a solution. It is the team's job to succeed.
0: Yeah. Like I was thinking back to my grad school experience here. It's like, you were supposed to come up with the idea and you were supposed to be the one who like carried it out and you were supposed to be the one who is credited for it. And I remember in my thesis project, I actually hired someone to design my thesis book because I didn't have time um, because I was working full time and I was going to school. And that was the most, like nobody cared. Like the instructors knew, but I art directed it and I just had some, I paid somebody else to do the work. And so that to me was the most brilliant step. I was so worried about it because I thought it had to be all mine. And I think that actually sets us up for a little bit of this sort of like, Lone designer mentality. So maybe that's something to break when you think about scoping and planning is like, you don't have to be alone. Um, you don't actually need other designers. You might just need like a, a good relationship with a PM, but how do you use other people? I love that.
1: Yeah. The way I would describe that, it really is when someone says, you know, help us, um, estimate this design project or when will you have this done? What they're actually asking is not, when will you have this done? They're saying, when will we as a team have some idea of what we're doing? Yeah. And so if you think of it that way, it kind of shifts your mentality to, it's not just my job to scope this work. It's it's our job. Let's work together to do that. Yep, that's good. All right. I think that's it for this episode. Okay. Until next time.
0: Done. <laughs>